0: Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. From that one statement alone, we can learn that God's word exists. Yes, there are many in the world today who deny the existence of God. And they would say that That statement is just part of a book that man came up with. It really doesn't have much relevance today. If you want to read it and study it and be fooled by it, well, that's your choice. That was basically the popular feeling for many, many years. But nowadays, those who deny the existence of God and deny that the Bible is His Word, they're not satisfied with that type of attitude anymore. They want to take everything that we have pertaining to God, pertaining to religion, and take it out of the world. But Jesus made that statement because He wanted His disciples to know that God, It was God's word that he was bringing to them. Now, there are a lot of sermons that can be brought from that one verse alone. And we know that as we study through the scriptures, we can connect different verses in different sections of the scriptures when it might be a general application or when it might be a specific application when it might be talking about something that is universal from now to the end of the world or something that was specific for a particular time to a particular people. But we know that God's Word is truthful. I don't know, have you ever thought about where the world would be if we didn't really have truth? Some people think that a person or society ought to be able to do what? They want whenever they want how they want without any consequences whatsoever. But you know it's impossible to really have a society like that. There have been certain nations or empire empires that have tried to uh, impose world dominance to their way of belief, to their way of life, and you know it just doesn't work. But as we look at God's Word, God, God's Word has been around before man was even created. And yet they cannot take away God's Word. They can deny it. They may refuse to go by it. But they can't remove it. They can't change God's Word. They can't change the truth. And yet there are those who try to do so. Not only in this day and age, but even back in the time of Christ. Even before then, there were those that were trying to change the Word of God. And we have for us the example of the Pharisees. How they often changed God's Word. Often made up new words, new laws, that they wanted the people to go by. But man can deny God's Word. He can try to change God's Word, although he can't really change it. But to others, He may change it. And we can see that as we look around the religious world, how people change that which God has provided for us. As we know, Jim's been doing a series of lessons based on whatever God hath joined together, let not man put asunder or take apart. And yet... We still have that problem with us today. It's a problem that has been around for many, many years, beginning in the Garden of Eden. If we are going to be God's children, there are times we have to stand for the truth. There will be times that we must be vocal about it. We have the obligation to try to teach people God's Word. But we certainly can't change God's word. We must teach and preach it as God has revealed it. Not only the apostle, Paul, not only the apostle Paul, but other apostles and other Christians dealt with many problems in the first century, uh, dealing with the uh, truth that had been brought forth by Christ, beginning with the preaching of John the Baptist bringing it into a world that had not known it before, bringing it into a world that many would not be receptive to it, and yet they continued to go and preach and teach the Word of God. Acts the 8th chapter, for example, as Saul, later to be the Apostle Paul, went around persecuting the church. Now, he wasn't the only one persecuting the church. But if we go to Acts the 8th chapter, we find that the church went about preaching the Word. Why? Because they were scattered because of the persecution. So they encountered opposition. In the beginning, it was mainly by the Jews. But as time would go on, there would be Gentiles that would not accept God's Word, continuing to believe what they wanted to believe and doing what they wanted to do. But God has left us a record, not only of what truth is, but how that truth was either uh, received or rejected. One of the great examples that we have for us is in the book of Galatians. If you will turn over to Galatians, the first chapter, we'll be taking our lesson from this book this evening. The Apostle Paul along with many others, traveled many miles establishing congregations in different areas, preaching and teaching the truth. And there were very many people, there were many people who accepted the truth. They heard it and they accepted it and that was great. And then there were those who may have accepted it but later on would change it or have someone else bring in some other doctrine for them to follow. And we know that people can be taken in uh, if they are not willing to investigate things. We have a, a terrible time in our day and age with fraud, people deceiving others, scams, and people oftentimes fall for those because they do not do research and understand that they need to be aware that there are those out to do them harm. Whether it's just taking something from them which is doing harm, or possibly physical body, uh, bodily harm. So there are those out there who do not, let's say, play by the rules. And God set up the rules. Oftentimes people say, well, what might be moral to you is not necessarily moral to me. Well, you know, you can't change the truth in some things. No matter what kind of coding you put on it, you can put lipstick on a pig, you are steal a pig. And the Apostle Paul had to deal with these types of problems along with other Christians. Of course, the persecution of Christians did not end in the first century. It carried on into the second century and the third century. Christians being put to death because of their conviction to Christ. There were those that did not hold to the line. They gave in. They denounced Christ because they did not want to be persecuted. They did not want to die. So they would give in. But when we look at what the Apostle Paul went through, not only in maybe verbal altercations or discussions, but also the fact of his physical persecution, where he was... Uh, beaten, where he was thrown in prison. So there was that physical abuse there also. And many other Christians suffered along with him. But that did not deter him from preaching the truth. From delivering what God had told him to deliver. And he will say that in our text uh, tonight. Beginning in verse 6 and reading through verse 12. The Apostle Paul wrote, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another gospel, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed for i do not now persuade men uh, for i do now persuade men of god or do i seek to please men for if i yet please men i should not be the servant of christ but i certify you brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man for i neither received it of man neither was i taught it but by the revelation of jesus christ now paul says a lot in these few verses he is addressing a problem which oftentimes he did. And here in Galatia, he is addressing the problem of those turning away from the gospel because someone else has brought something else in that's not the truth. And he is surprised that those that, would, that did receive the truth would be turned away from that truth. And yet we know that that was a problem at that time, the Judaizing teachers going in after Paul or going in other places ahead of Paul and the other uh, disciples to try to teach something that was not the truth. I would say to you that in the realm of modern Christianity, so called by man, not scriptures, that these organizations do teach and preach some truth. But God's Word did not need and does not need anything from man. It is 100% whole and correct and right and righteous and holy and good as it is. It needs no addition. It needs no subtraction. Yet in our religious world today, that's what we have. And Paul is trying to tell the brethren that somebody has come in and taught you something differently than what I taught. He talks about perverting the gospel. Well, if all religious thinking in all theology and action is okay as many in the world teach then paul was way off base when he said that there'd be some who pervert the gospel i just recently had a discussion with a young man that is so steeped in subjectivism that it was unreal it all applied to him it was his view of everything and if you had a view different from him that was okay Because whatever truth was for you, that was okay. Whatever truth was for him, that was okay. In other words, he was saying he could believe anything he wanted to, and nobody could say anything about it, and everything still be okay. I don't get that from what Paul writes here. Paul is telling the brethren that somebody's coming in and perverting, which means changing, The truth. You can take a glass of water and it would be 100% water and then you could add something to it and it would no longer be 100% water. It would have something else in it. There would be an additive in it. There would be something that had changed it from its original form. That's the way it is with religion. That's the way it is with God's truth. If someone brings something in that is not from God's Word, they have added to God's Word. Unfortunately, the world has been convinced that that is okay because everybody has the right to their own interpretation. Paul did not tell the Galatians that those that came in and changed the gospel, that's okay, what they said is okay because everybody has a right to their own interpretation. That's not what he says, is it? He says that he was surprised or marveled that they had turned from the truth so soon from God and from Christ who called them into the gospel. They were believing something different than what Paul had delivered to them. And he's saying that is not right. That is wrong. Somebody has come in and polluted, perverted, added something to to the 100% gospel that was delivered to you. And he makes it very clear that there is only one gospel. Notice what he says at the end of verse 6 and the beginning of verse 7. The grace of Christ unto... Uh, he called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. There is no other. If there was, Paul would... have." would not have made this statement. If we know this to be God's Word, we know it to be correct, then we have to agree with Paul when he says that there is not another gospel, but yet somebody brought something in making it a part of the gospel. They were saying this is okay, this is part of it, when it wasn't. And he makes a very definite statement about perverting the gospel. Is it possible to pervert the gospel? According to some in the world today, it is not possible because everybody has a right to their own opinion. But Paul says that they perverted the gospel. They changed it. And we know what the Bible says about adding to or taking away from the Word of God. That is changing it. And Paul is is involved in a, a perfect example of that right here as he writes to the Galatians. He is showing how that can be the case and was the case there. By turning away from that which was given by an inspired apostle of the Lord, they had turned their backs on the truth. Now, did they know that? Maybe some did. Maybe others didn't. But he's making it plain that they had done that. I mean, we've all been in that situation where uh, we did something and later on come to find out that it was incorrect. We didn't know it at the time. But it happens. Yet Paul had to deal with these teachers on more than one occasion. And he is trying to help these brethren understand that from that point on you have to be careful of what comes in. You have to be careful of what people say, how they say it. A lot of people say, well, you're making a big deal out of, you know, something that really doesn't matter. I think God's truth matters more than anything. If it didn't, I wouldn't be here tonight, and I don't think you would either. God's Word has to be number one in our lives, and understanding that Word correctly is more important than we can sometimes imagine. In a world that is full of compromise, denial, rejection of all that is good and holy. We have to stand firm on the truth. And that's what Paul is trying to get these brethren to to understand. He's saying there is no other way. There is no other gospel. Here is what I presented to you. This is the gospel. It is not up for debate. It is not up for discussion, as people often talk about. The truth is not up for discussion in whether it's truth or not. But then he goes on to say in verse 8, that though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So what does that say about the person who brings something in? How are we to view that person? If an apostle says that person is to be accursed, how are we to view that the same way? We have to view it in the fact that they're bringing something in that is not, first of all, not in harmony with God's word. Second of all, it is something that will lead a person away from God and if continued following, that way will lead to destruction if Paul says, well, I'm going to change my mind, we're going to change this, they should have had enough knowledge by then to know what was true. Because Paul says that they should have recognized, they shouldn't have changed from what he brought to them. And he says whether we are an angel from heaven. It is sad today how there are those who still feel that God sends angels to this earth to communicate with people when he doesn't. So, Paul is continuing to set the ground rules for the truth and for the church at Galatia. Because this was not just going to be something that he dealt with right then and something they had to deal with right then only it would be something that they would have to continue to look out for. Do we not have to continue to look out for false teachers today? Yes. Because if we don't, we can be susceptible to what they teach. That's why it's so important. Why did God command Timothy to study? To show himself approved, rightly dividing the word truth. Did Timothy not know the scriptures from a child? Yes. His mother and grandmother made sure that he knew what the truth was, knew God's word. But Paul says to study, rightly dividing the truth. So how important is that for us today, to study to make sure that what we hear, not only where we are, but also in the church overall worldwide in the religious world we have to be aware of these things we can't put our heads in the sand and ignore them Paul didn't want these brethren to ignore them is that what he said Okay, you just don't pay any attention to this that's not what he said in other words they have to be on the lookout but though we are an angel from heaven he's talking not only in the present sense there but he's talking about in the future that we have to continually look and make sure that we're not taken in by that which is not God's word. I'm afraid this day and time, even in the church, there are many who do not know the truth and are being led astray. And if they continue, it will cost them their souls. But then he goes on to say, and he repeats what he had just said. I think that is important within itself. When he says, as we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. This issue is so important, Paul uh, repeated what he had said. He wanted to drive home the point. That they had to be on the lookout for anybody coming unto them, bringing something that was not God's word they would be held accountable, uh, held accountable just like we are going to be held accountable. We're in the process of looking for someone to, fulfill, to fill this pulpit on a regular basis. Is it important that we look at the truth in deciding who's going to fill this pulpit? Are we going to let just anybody up here and say whatever they want? No, because we know we have a responsibility to God to stick with His Word. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear false doctrine. I want to hear the truth. I do not want to be involved in a congregation that are doing things falsely or incorrectly when it comes to God's Word. I'm sure you have the same sentiments. But Paul here repeats this, and once again repeats the fact that these people are to be accursed. Why? Because they're doing something horrible. They're doing something so detrimental that it will cost other people their souls. Not only them, but everyone who follows that doctrine. Paul goes on to say in verse 11, well, let's back up to verse 10. He says, "For For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? How many people out there, and mainly, and usually, usually mainly men, but women are involved in it too, are out there to deceive people using religion as a way to do it? Not every false teacher out there is doing it because they just happen to believe that what they're teaching is the truth. You have people who will use that to line their pockets. Some of you that are older, my age, and... Uh, If if you watched a lot of TV and you remember the names of actors, uh, there was an actor named Marjo Gortner. And I think he's still around. But he was raised to be a, a little evangelist, to trick people into giving their money. Now, that would be people who know that they're doing wrong, who don't care rather than someone who just happens to believe incorrectly. They're out there. They love it. These faith healers, I don't know if you know one of the tricks of the faith healers or not, but I'll tell you what it is. Oftentimes in their service, they'll stand up and they'll say, well, I'm getting a feeling. A a man named Dan, no, Dave, a man named Dave, and he has a, a problem with his right knee. You know how he knows that? They go out beforehand and get in general conversation with people and get the information from them. You know, a person can get information from you generally just by talking with you and you not even be aware of it. And that's how they do it. They're not interested in souls. They're interested in money. And Paul says we have to be aware of those who are false teachers. It doesn't matter their motives. If they're not bringing the truth, we're in trouble. They're in trouble. But he goes on to say that he does not seek to persuade men because he wants to. He is persuading men because of God. Is he wanting to please God or is he wanting to please men? He says, I don't care about pleasing men. He says, I care about pleasing God. That is one reason why he was telling them what he was because he was willing he was wanting to please God and that's what we're supposed to do we're supposed to speak the truth in love and Paul had spoken the truth in love when he brought the gospel to them he was speaking truth in love and we we should always do that but we can't deny the truth we can't deny the truth because we're afraid to come with someone uh, to someone with the truth So therefore we change it or just ignore it or whatever. He says, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of God. You can't please man and God at the same time. And Paul's decision in his life was to please God, not man. Then he goes on to say, but I certify you brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after me. Now he is saying, this is not mine. And how many times have you, you had a study with somebody talking about the Bible and you said, listen, this is not my word. This is God's word. I know I have. I've tried to emphasize to people, this is not my word. This is God's word and I have a responsibility to preach and teach it as God's word. I don't have a the, the right to change it, ignore it, reject it. Now, I have a choice to do that. I just saw recently, and you may have too, a situation going on up at the University of Tennessee uh, sent down by, I don't know, one of their higher-ups about Christmas holidays. Mainly saying you, you can have a party, but it can't have anything to do with religion. Well, this young man was on there and he made the statement, I have a God-given right to celebrate Christmas. Well, I have to disagree with that statement. He has a choice to serve God, but God has not given him a right to serve Christmas since Christmas is not of God. And God did not give him the okay to follow something that was false. But I understand what he meant. I understand where he is religiously. Paul didn't feel that way. He felt like it was God's word that he was to preach and teach and live by and suffer and die by. But he goes on to say, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. Not only does he say it's not of him, he's saying it's not after man at all. He's not saying, well, it's not after me, but it might be after some other man. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's not after any man Other than Christ. He certifies. He makes known. We understand what certify means in our world today. And in a sense, that's what Paul's doing. He says it's coming from God. He's certifying that it's coming from the right place. From the right source. That being God. He says it's not after man. So if it's not after man, there can only be one other place. One other holy and righteous place, person, and that's God. Paul received it by revelation. He got it directly from God. We do not get revelation directly from God anymore. God has written all and said all that he is going to say, and we have it down in our Bibles today. Although there are those who still feel God's revealing things to man, that's not what the Bible teaches. God has provided all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We have it all. We don't need any other things. What we need is for people to have an honest and open heart to understand what the truth is. So, Paul is making plain the fact that it's not after him. He's not preaching his own word. He's not preaching his own opinion. He's preaching what God wants him to Then in verse 12, he says, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of God. Making very clear, making a statement to end any speculation, any doubt, where he got the truth. Now, there could have been those around him who said, Well, I don't believe that. We know that they were there. We know they rejected Christ. They rejected the, uh, the preaching of John the Baptist. They rejected the apostles. They rejected the other disciples who were going out teaching the Word. We know they were there. But at least Paul goes on record by saying that what I have taught comes from God. It is something that we have to live by in our lives today. Making that decision, going ahead and deciding we're going to live for God no matter what. What happens if we're invaded and we're overtaken, and somebody says, you either renounce Christ or you die. What are you going to do? That happened to many Christians. I, as I say, I've been uh, doing some study on the history of, of the early church and the persecutions and all, and what Rome did uh, to persecute the Christians. And part of that was, there was uh, part of their law offered the Uh, opportunity for people to renounce Christ and some did and some didn't it is no different what time it happens in life or where if we ever get put on the spot we may have to make that decision do we renounce Christ or do we stand for the truth and speak the truth and die if necessary I hope we never face that but is it out of the realm of possibility in our world right now. But how are you going to live your life? Are you going to live it for God? Are you willing to stand for the truth? And whenever you're faced with opposition, stand and speak against that uh, untruth, that false uh, doctrine or false ideas or whatever. Are you willing to do that? Because that's really what it takes to be a true Christian. is to stick with the truth and renounce anything that is not of the truth. Paul is trying to help the brethren here, not only helping them realize the mistake that they made, but the fact that they're going to have to continue to stick with the truth as time goes on. Like Jim's example this morning about the seat belt, you have to continually have that seat belt on or it won't do you any good. Are you, continue, are you going to continue in the truth or not? We know what kind of apostle Paul was, what kind of Christian he was. Oftentimes, I think we uh, get so used to hearing the term apostle Paul or apostle Peter that sometimes we might forget these were average men who were Christians. They were Christians first. That's what they were every day of their lives. And they had to face opposition to the truth just as we do today. I hope that you have already determined in your mind and in your heart that you will never move away from the truth. That you will set out to know exactly what the truth is. Not based on opinion, not based on feeling. Well, I I really feel it ought to be this way. And, you know, that's what gets people in trouble. What did Solomon say? Lean not toward thine own understanding. You know, sometimes we have to back up and and make sure that we're we're looking at it honestly, truthfully. And that goes from anything as, as far as salvation, to worship, to daily living. Paul was set for the defense of the gospel. Paul was delivering to man what God had revealed to him. He says it very plainly. Are we going to follow what the book says? Or are we going to have our own ideas? You know, one thing is for sure that God gives everybody a choice. Now, He doesn't give man the right to uh, to go away from Him because we know there's a difference between a right and a choice. God does not give us the right to go away from Him. He does give us a choice. And we know that if we make the wrong choices in life, it could cost us eternally. And that should never be the case. So how do you feel about the truth? How do you feel about what Paul was talking about to the Galatians? And we can find in other books of the Bible where Paul wrote to the brethren, and and he had many tears over the brethren because of the things that were going on that were wrong. Uh, he had a tremendous load of care on his shoulders, establishing many of the congregations. So they, these brethren were like his children. And we know how, as far as being parents, we know how uh, our children's lives can affect us, good or bad. But the question tonight is, are you willing to make that truth standard number one in your life? I know that most people here have obeyed the gospel, but there may be someone who hasn't that I'm unaware of. And you cannot have the right relationship without obeying the gospel. You can't have the right relationship with God without submitting to the gospel. And you have that opportunity tonight by hearing the word of God and and beginning to think about it. What is it saying? and understanding what it says, and being willing to follow it. By hearing that word, it should generate your mind in the right direction. you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If you do, that's great. But it takes more than belief. Are you willing to repent? Which means change your life. Repentance is not saying, I'm sorry. A lot of people have the idea that repentance is saying, I'm sorry, and that's the end of it. Saying you're sorry is not repentance. Repentance is changing the way that you live and think, making it to come in line with God's Word. Many people are not willing to do that. They don't want to live after God's Word. But in order to be a child of God, you have to do that. And then showing that to be the case, being willing to confess Christ publicly, and then being willing to be baptized for the remission of your sins. If there's someone here tonight who needs to do that, Uh, you need to do it. It's as simple as that. As a child of God, if your life has not reflected that of a Christian, if you're not living the way God wants you to, there's something in your life that needs to be done, repented of publicly, we encourage you to come as we stand and sing.